Lapis Lazuli by Tanya Walker In Cesara, only the rich wear bright colors. My knight shines in the armor I buff for him nightly, glossy as a jewel. My clothes and skin are the colors of the earth. We stand together with two days of desert at our backs and a forest of black thorns before us. My heart is a bird in my chest. I was twelve when the slave traders came from the ocean and stole me. To the Cesarans, we Arn all look the same. I was always tall and strong. An unscrupulous trader shaved my head and sold me as a boy to fetch a better price. And I live as a boy still, because it is better than what waits for me as an Arn girl in this country. My new master is a field knight, and I am the best help he can afford. Cesarean boys have been in no hurry to volunteer as pages since the dragon came. It only takes knights and lords. One week ago it came on silent wings at dawn and snatched a princess. She was betrothed to a foreign prince. The match planned to unite two kingdoms. This is all I know of her. She is beautiful, as princesses are, and she has yellow hair, as princesses do. And on that day, she wore a velvet dress as blue as the center of the sky. Her prince went into the thorns to save her and never came out. Desperate, the king posted a reward. Eight more knights vanished into the black grove. The princess lives. The pages who returned alone heard her crying from the ruined tower among the thorns. Stupid little chit. My knight squints into the thorns at the place where creepers have tangled a ladder of green up to the tower's one window. Why doesn't she just climb out? Yes, I wonder that too. The princess is worth a great deal of gold to my knight. I tie our horses. I pass my knight his helmet and sword and follow him into the gloom, ducking around thorns larger than my arm. I smell the dead. A speared knight hangs twenty feet above, rotting in his shining steel shell. Three more dangle like baubles around us. There is the prince. Upside down, his blue cloak curtains, his mottled face. We reach the base of the tower before the thing that took the princess slips from the thorns behind us. It's easy to see how everyone saw a dragon. It moves like the wind itself, swift and shapeless in the dim light. Those reptilian feet end in curved talons. But what people took for black scales are vast oily feathers. My God, says my knight. The creature is a hundred times the size of the ones that flitted from the thorn bushes of my childhood. I remember crawling into their bowers and examining the stolen beads and shells and feathers arranged inside. Once I found a piece of lapis lazuli, blue as the center of the sky. 
I wrench my knight's helmet from his head and fling it away. Sir, take off your armor. Are you mad? He hefts his sword. The bower bird shrieks like metal on granite. I turn and claw up the tower, tearing my hands on thorns. My knight's answering scream snaps off like a cut rope. I hear a sound that has no name, a thorn-piercing metal and flesh. It goes, Skrrk! Halfway up the tower, frozen by the fresh silence, I stop and turn. The bowerbird fixes me with one oily blue eye. Then it turns away, adjusts my twitching master on its thorn, preens, and settles down to roost. I know how to save the princess. I climb all the way to the window before I wonder if I should. For me, there will be no gold. An owned thing cannot own things. I could bring back twenty princesses, but there would never be any gold. In the tower, rotted leaves and dirt push in drifts against the mossy walls. The princess sleeps curled up, golden tangles in a tattered blue dress, living lapis lazuli. Those who buy and sell my people wear bright colors. The bowerbird will come for them all. I only need to walk away. The girl scrambles up and looks at me. Tears have cut twin white paths through the grime on her cheeks. She is no more than twelve. I wonder how she felt when her kingdom sold her to a stranger. Slowly, I crouch and offer her my hand. Do you want me to take you away? Her eyes flick to the window. How? I can make you invisible. She looks at me, wondering, and slips her small hand into mine. Together we take off her gaudy dress. I rub dirt on her skin and tangle leaves in her hair until she is the color of the earth, and we walk past the bowerbird and out into the open sky. This has been a podcast on miniature. Lapis Lazuli was written by Tanya Ford Walker and is a reprint from Andromeda Spaceways in-flight magazine. Tanya Ford Walker is an artist and writer hailing from Tasmania, the gothic little island beneath Australia. A former Disney animator, she now works as a freelance illustrator, portfolio at www.tanyawalker.com, and studies creative writing honors at the University of Tasmania. She lives to tell stories, swinging between pencil and keyboard to make it happen. Prior publications include this story in Andromeda Spaceways in-flight magazine, Contributing Art to Anything That Loves, and The Goblin Quest RPG Rulebook, and cover art for fantasy anthologies, Defying Doomsday, and The Mockler Chronicles series by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Look for Tanya's tabletop game, Dracula's Feast, on Kickstarter in late 2016. 
Your narrator today is Podcastle Assistant Editor and editor of our upcoming Artemis Rising 3 event, Khalida Muhammad Ali. Khalida lives in Houston, Texas with her husband of 25 years and three children. By day, she works as a breast oncology nurse. At all other times, she juggles, none too successfully, writing, reading, gaming, and gardening. She has self-published one novel titled An Unproductive Woman and has published a story at Escape Pod and has a story in the Alphabet of Embers anthology. Of her alter ego, Kay from the planet Vega, it is rumored that she owns a time machine and knows the secret to long use. You can catch her posts at her website, www.kalita.com, and you can follow her on Twitter, at Kalita. Of this story, Tanya says, Tanya grew up feeling disappointed by the disparity between the quaint pastoral magical worlds she read about in Enid Blyton's stories and the stark alien endlessness of mainland Australia. Eventually, she grew to value the weird wildlife, environment, and history surrounding her, and this fascination with the strangeness of the island at the end of the world inspires her storytelling. Thanks for listening.